Good morning, Compassion Dixon. How you doing? Come on, really, how you guys doing today? Man, another packed house. God is on the move at Compassion Church, isn't he? Man, just look around at how packed it is in this room. Thank you so much for coming. Today we start a brand new series. It's called Game Day. How many of you are ready to get in the game today for Jesus Christ? You ready to get in the game? It's amazing. Turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel 17. I'm going to jump right into it today. I've only got a limited time because you guys want to go out and eat Mexican or Ponderosa or Colton's. I know how you are. You ready to go eat. So what we're going to do is we're going to eat off the Word of God. This is our little appetizer today, right? We're going to get our spirits filled and we're going to leave this place and we're going to change the city. How about that? How about that? Because we've got to get in the game, right? You've got to get in the game. So today, if I had to title my sermon, it'd be this. You can't win from the stands. How many of our fans, football fans? How many football fans do I have in the room? Yes, a lot of football fans, right? I think we have a, a, a portion of a team uh, that's it's in Dixon. Where are you guys at? Are y'all here today? Like the Dixon Echoes or something like that? Right back here in the back. Why they put y'all in the back? Y'all must be Baptist. Back Row Baptist. I see, I see. Thank you all for coming uh, today and being uh, with us. And I think that some of those guys are going to come and be on our parking lots and just make this team feel scream during this month because God never called you to be in the stands. God called you to get in the game, right? EA Sports, get in the game, right? You got to get in the game. You got to do something for Jesus. You got to get off of your buhani and do something for God, right? Don't know what a buhani is, but you can interpret that however you want, right? So it's, uh, it's really good. 1 Samuel 17, very popular text. A lot of people know the story of David and Goliath. We're not going to talk about today how David got his slingshot out and got five smooth stones and put one stone in his slingshot and shot it at Goliath. Hit him right in the middle of his eyebrows, right there in his head, knocked him down, grabbed his sword and cut his head off. Now that dude was a bad mama jama. David was a bad dude. We're not going to talk about that, but we are going to talk about another group of people in this story that a lot of us don't even think about as we are looking at what David is doing to Goliath, okay? So 1 Samuel chapter 17, I'm going to read verses 8 through 11 just so I get you caught up. Here you've got a guy by the name of Goliath. He's coming out, and he's doing his thing, and he's tempting the armies of Israel. And we get to verse 8, and here's what he says. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Do you know that your enemy will always belittle you? He will always make you feel like that you're less than. He will look at you and say, Why are you trying to get in the game called Christianity? Why are you trying to get in the game for Jesus? I mean, do you not see your past? Do you not see who you are? Do you not see where you came from? Do you not know your last name that you write down every day of your life? See, that's what the enemy does to us. He tries to belittle us. And here's why he tries to belittle us. Because he knows how big the God is in us. He knows that if we ever get a hold of this God that's on the inside of us, when we pray a prayer and ask Him to forgive us of our sins, He knows that then He is defeated. All the devil is is a bunch of talk. Come on. Talk is cheap. And here he is and he's talking. Listen to what the words can do in your life. 
Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Am I not better than you? Am I not bigger than you? Right now, you're looking at a nine foot nine guy. That's, that's Goliath. This is who's talking. Nine foot nine inches. What if you met somebody and he starts saying, Who are you? You going to cut my head off? And he's nine foot nine. And David, at his best, was probably five foot eight. Who are you? But he wasn't just talking to David at this point. He was talking to the vast amount of the armies. And he was also talking to King Saul. Saul was the first king in Israel. And he's looking out and he's saying all of this to these people. The people who are fighting in the army of the Lord. Do you know that you're part of an army as a Christian? Do you know you have a fight on the inside of you? Do you know that there's times in your life that the enemy will call you out? You know what you're supposed to do when the enemy calls you out? You're supposed to step out and fight the enemy. And I want to tell you, God says that you've already won before you even step out. Come on, somebody. Isn't it amazing? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. Verse 9. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. Verse 10. And the Philistine said, Goliath said this, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we might fight together. He did not know what he just asked for. Give me a man that we may fight together. Let me tell you something. What was happening in the spiritual realm in this moment was totally different than what Goliath thought was going to happen. Because as Christians, the battle is not ours, the battle's the Lord's. And even though the vast army didn't realize that, there was a little boy that did. We'll talk about him just here in a moment. Verse 11. When Saul and all Israel, it didn't say some of Israel, it said when Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Lord, we come before you today, praying over this time that we have together, the next 25, 30 minutes. And we're just praying, God, that you'll help us to understand your word. God, that you'll teach us something. Maybe there's just one little nugget in this word that'll change somebody's life. God, I never want to be a preacher to the multitudes. I want to be a preacher to people, individuals, that their lives are being transformed and changed from the inside out. I'm looking at people today, God, that are going to exit the stands, people that are willing to fight the good fight of faith and to be exactly who you've called them to be. Love on us today. Show us grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. And everybody said, amen, amen. Listen to this. The king and all his armies, all the army of Israel, they saw the potential of the battle but was unwilling to do anything about it. They saw everything that was going on, but they were unwilling to do anything about it. Sometimes, even in the church world, we see need, but we're unwilling to do anything about it. I heard a man say this one time. His name is Bill Wilson. He leads Metro Ministries in New York. He said this. He said, the need is the call. So many people in church say, well, I'm not called. I don't know what my calling is. Look around yourself. Find somebody in need. That becomes the call on your life. 
the need is the call but so many people are like these Israelites I know I've been just like them before and I've been sitting in the stands and I'm waiting come on Timothy do your thing man come on get in the game you need to go fight that guy hallelujah we're willing to send somebody else in to fight but we ourselves are not willing to fight do I have any witnesses in the room I'm going to raise my hand you don't have to please don't raise your hand but I've been that guy before I've been the guy seeing a need I've been a guy knowing the call on my life but waiting for someone else to step up and fulfill the need that's what these people were doing they knew they had to defeat Goliath but they didn't want to step out and defeat the Goliath himself why? because they didn't think they had it in them to succeed see a lot of people feel like a failure they feel like because of their past accidents or their past mistakes or their, their past in general they think that they're unqualified to do what God has called them to do listen this battle again I'll say it this battle is not yours this battle is the Lord's and here you got a group of people that are afraid they're scared let's listen to 1 Samuel 17 16 listen to what happened for 40 days somebody say 40 days for 40 days that's a long time that, that, I mean day in day out that's a long time the Philistine that's Goliath came forward and took his stand listen morning and evening pull that picture up so here if there was a scoreboard that day it's the first quarter it's the first period there's two minutes and six seconds left in the game Goliath 80 Israel 0 Goliath is winning with his words. I'm tired of the devil winning with his words. You can't do that. You, 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 you're not called to that. You shouldn't do that. that that's, not, that's not good enough for you. You're too... I'm tired of the devil and his words. What happens when we allow the enemy's words to affect our lives, we become bystanders. We become sideline people. We become stand people. And we're in the stands wanting to do something but scared to step out. These people were hearing what to do, but they were not doing what they needed to do. That's a Bible reference in James chapter 1, verse 22. Just jot it down. Won't read it. Let's continue in our story. 1 Samuel 17, verse 24. All the men of Israel, everybody... It confirms it again when they saw the man fled from him and were much afraid. Let me tell you about fear. Fear will shut you down. You know why some of you are not serving God to the full capacity that you have in your life and the potential that you have? Because of fear. Because of fear. David was a different man because he came on the scene and he did not walk by sight. He began to walk by faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Look it up. That was David. I can remember, I went to a small high school. How many of you played sports in high school, junior high? Stuff like that. Raise your hand. Come on, it's all right to participate in church. I remember, I went to a small high school, so the high school that I went to only had two options. We didn't have a football team. We didn't have a golf team. We didn't have soccer teams. We didn't have any of that type of stuff at our church. You had two options. If you was a guy, you played basketball or baseball. I loved playing basketball. I loved it. Absolutely loved playing basketball. I hated playing baseball. With a vengeance. I couldn't stand it. I hated baseball. Can I say it just one more time? Goodness gracious. I just couldn't stand baseball. But I had to be on the team. 
Some of you go, well, you must have had some pretty rough parents. Honestly, my parents didn't come to many of my games. And I don't blame them. Okay? I was a decent fielder. I loved playing shortstop. Second base was my base, man. I loved playing second base. I pitched a little bit. Wasn't as good as my brother, but I pitched a little bit. I loved playing the infield. I could field really good. But when it came to batting, I hated it with a passion. It made me hate the game. You say, well, why was you made? Because I was number nine on the team and not like number nine on my jersey. I made up the team. They had to have me to make the team. Now, you know you're bad if you have to get Grisham on your team on baseball. You're pretty rough. But I can remember we were playing the Zenith Hornersville Lions. And coach calls out and he says, Grisham, you're on deck. Let's go. So I go, okay. Heart's just pounding. I mean, I am just crazy at this point. I'm scared. I'm scared of the ball. Hashtag sissy. <laughs> I'm serious. I was the biggest sissy on the ball team when it come to, to playing. Uh, the other eight guys that I played with, if they're watching right now in other states, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But a miracle happened that day. I step up to the plate. Some long-haired guy. I don't know what his name is, but I'd punch him in the face if I knew him now. <laughs> so I step up to the plate. And I'm getting there and I'm getting ready and my heart's just pounding. And I'm going, wow, I'm going to hit this ball. I'm going to try my best to hit this ball. I think my batting percentage was like .001. <laughs> it was terrible. I'm serious. I don't know if I ever had a base hit. I'm serious. So I'm sitting up there and I'm getting ready to bat. And he pitches the ball and I swing. And the ball went out of the park. And that's a lie. Okay, let's go back. Let's go back. That did not happen, okay? So, but it was like slow motion. And I'm sitting there, and the ball is released from this guy's hand. And we're in high school. Now, in high school, you got some decent pitchers. But the ball's probably coming at me at like 47 miles an hour. It's not going fast. So instead of me going ball one here's what I did the ball one here we go so I go he pitches in his slow motion hits me dead in the chest knocks the breath out of me that's when I wish mom if you're watching that's when I wish you would have came to my game I needed you she is watching. She's watching from Missouri, watches all services. But I'm halfway kidding. <laughs> but it hits me in the chest. I'm, I'm kind of trotting down to first base because I, I can't catch my breath. It literally knocked the breath out of me. And the coach is going, Grisham, hey, are you okay? You need to pitch out. I'm like, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> Hashtag sissy. I'm serious. It wasn't good. But then... I had to bat again. This is where I just want to make a point. I had to bat again. So guess what the coach says? Grisham, come on, buddy. Coach Cressy, Sam Cressy from Iowa. Iowa Buckeye fan. Okay? Or a Buckhawk or something. I don't even know what they are up there. So he, he calls out and he says, Grisham, come on. You're on deck. I said, 
I'm not on deck. Somebody else can be on deck. I'm not on deck. And he said, Grisham, you've got to get in the game. If you don't get out on deck and bat, we've got to take an automatic out. I said, well, good. Hey, guys, we're fixing to take an automatic out. And I'm serious. All of my best friends, all of us were friends. I'm like, guys, and they're going, Jamie, come on, man. we got to have you up there. At least just stand back from the plate. Let him pitch. If he strikes you out, he strikes you out. He may walk you, man. You could help. I know that you're not good at batting, but we need you to bat right now. And here's what I said. No! I've already told you. So I sat down. Now, long story short, because it's a very long story, that specific situation and what happened on the school bus after that game got me kicked out of school. I missed the last two years of my senior, or two months of my senior year because I was a smart aleck and said some things I shouldn't have said. And I got kicked out of school. So your pastor got kicked out of school. Still got to walk down the aisle, but I missed some of the most important. Why? Because I wasn't willing to get in the game because of fears. Now, let me ask you a question. What if the fear of getting off the bench was affecting the outcome in someone else's life? When you have the fear of getting off the bench. Because here's what happened in that game. The Zenith Hornersville Lions, just like they did the last 20 years they played the Delta C7 Chargers, won that day. Okay? They won that day, but you want to know why they won? They won because I wouldn't get off of the bench because I was scared. Do you want to know why the enemy is winning sometimes in your life? Because you are scared to get off of the bench and bat again. God's looking for some people to step up to the plate and go to bat for Him. Come on now. That's what God is looking for. But then you had this little ruddy boy named David. How many, is there, is there any 15-year-olds in the room? Any 15-year-olds in the room? Anybody? Anybody that wished they were 15-year-olds in the room? Yeah, some of you. I got you. Come on, I, I, need, a, I need a male. Where are we at? Right back here. We got 15-year-old male. Get your tail up here. Come on, David. Come on, hurry. Hurry. Come on. Run. Run. Run, Forrest, run! Come on, this is perfect. This is perfect. 15 years old? Yes, sir. And respectful. Give me a high five. Come on, baby. Do you know, because of someone like you, the nation of Israel was delivered out of that battle that day? They won because of someone like this guy. This guy represents, I like it because he's shorter than me. The last service, the stinking 15-year-old was taller than me. So I'm like, I guess I'm David. Right? But this was David. What's your name, bud? Joshua. Joshua. Oh, delivering us all. Hallelujah. Yes. <laughs> all right, Joshua is now David. I'm giving you a new name, okay? So you're now David. But listen, there was a ruddy guy named David that was short in stature. I'm not calling you short, I promise you, buddy. I would never do that to someone unless they were shorter than me. But there was this 15-year-old boy that most scholars say was 15 years old and he come on the scene and he began to say, what the heck is going on, guys? What's happening? Because everybody else was shaking in their armor, but there was this boy that was willing to do something for God. 
But here's the thing about David, because David is sitting here and he's asking questions. He walks up on the scene and he's hearing a little bit about something that's going on. And then he goes over and he says, hey man, what's going to happen to the person that actually kills this guy? And his brother Eliab, his oldest brother, begins to hate on him. Because I want to tell you something. When you get to the point where you're going to make the decision to exit the stands and get on the field, everybody that's fearful of exiting the stands will start saying bad things about you. I mean, who you... Where, I, David, where's your little sheep at, man? Meh. Hey, guys. Meh. It's here. Hey, little pizza boy. Where's the pizza? I know Daddy probably sent you down here with some bread and some cheese, right? Here's what I want you to understand. Be on guard. Because if you're willing to get in the game, people will not like it. People that are closest to you may not be supportive of what God is trying to do in you and through you. Keep staying, okay? 1 Samuel 17, 29. Let's keep walking. But here's what David says. David comes back. His brother is making fun of him. David comes back and says, what have I done now? Then he makes a statement. This is where I think it gets good. Is there not a cause? Is there not a reason that somebody needs to step out and do something? What have I done now? You're always making fun of me. You guys have always been elevated to the top. Is there not a cause? And I'm sure Eliab and some of the others is going, dude, you've just heard the cause twice. I mean, yes, great riches will be given to the guy that cuts Goliath's head off and kills Goliath. I mean, the king's daughter is going to be given to this guy. And not only that, but there's going to be exemption from all the taxes for the rest of this guy's family. What do you mean is there not a cause? Yes, but David was looking deeper than the physical. David said, is there not a cause? Let me tell you something. David did not get in the game because of the reward that he and his family would get. David did it for the reward that the whole army would get. The people that were in fear and shaken, right? Why? Because David had the faith. David had the faith to step out and exit the stands and come down and do something. Y'all give it up for David right now. Joshua, love you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. I love it. Look, on the back of his shirt it says, Pain Train. Come on, baby. It's exactly what David did. Got the pain train going on. Is there not a cause? Listen to me, church. Is there not a cause? Why should I get involved in the local church? Why should I do something? Look at the people that we have in this room. Look at how packed this place is. Is there not a cause for us to do something for God? Listen, God never called you to sit on a plastic lifetime chair. Don't let that chair be, be uh, prophetic in your life to where you're going to sit there for a lifetime and do nothing for God. Why? Because there's a cause. There's a reason. There's a purpose. Pull that picture up. Look at that picture. Is there not a cause? Let me tell you about this guy here. About three or four weeks ago, actually it's three weeks ago, uh, this past Friday, I believe it is, be four weeks, this coming Friday, that guy's name is Jesse Deason. I stood on this stage with Jesse, and Jesse graduated Hope Center Ministries. 
A great program that we have if you're new to our church. It's a drug and alcohol uh, 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 rehab center. and uh, It's actually a recovery center. And we love on the guys. And the guys go through this intensive program. And, and it's just a great time for them to get uh, introduced to God and all of this other type of stuff. Three weeks ago, I stood on the stage with Jesse. Now, I want to make the comment, is there not a cause? Because there's people like Jesse that need Jesus. There's people like Jesse that need recovery. There's people like Jesse that are hurting and they don't know how to overcome the fears and the pain in the past. They, they need help. Is there not a cause? I'm saying that because we buried Jesse today at 2 p.m. Jesse's gone. Y'all probably remember in this service three weeks ago, Jesse and two other guys, and I think one of the guys, I think one of the guys here today, Jesse and a couple of other guys stood up here and we congratulated them. You want to know something? There's a cause. Why should I get involved? Because people are hurting. Because people need Christ. You don't get involved so that our church can just get bigger. That's a byproduct of why we want you to get involved. Why do we want to get? Because there's Jesse's that need help. Jesse would appreciate me saying this to you right now. People like Jesse need accountability partners. They need prayer partners. They need life group leaders. They need team directors. They need people that are there for them when the, when, when the life that they have gets hard and tough. Is there not a cause? See, but most of us, we don't feel qualified I'm sure a lot of those people didn't feel qualified. I can't go down and fight the nine-foot-nine giant. I'm just not qualified. I'm not gifted. I have no talent. I'm good at nothing, Pastor. I'm sure David could have said the same thing. But David had something that a lot of us need to get today. He had confidence. It didn't matter if he's never been in the battlefield. It didn't matter if he's never fought a giant before. David had confidence in his God, not himself. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 33. Read that with me. Because a lot of people don't feel qualified, and if you don't watch it, people in your life will begin to speak negative over your life to say you don't need to do specific things. But I'm telling you, God never called us to do nothing. He called us to do something. But this is what we will have in our lives. And if we allow people like this to speak into our lives and we don't say anything after this right here, then we're done. We won't win in life. Listen to this. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against a Philistine. You're not able. Word got back to Saul. Saul's coming back out. He said, dude, you're not even able. Are you kidding? You're not able to go up and fight this guy for you are a youth. Yeah, because God don't want to use teenagers, right? God don't want to use teenagers. He don't want to use kids. He don't want to use people like that. You've got to be mature. You've got, you got to know what to do. You've got to be in the battle before. Hogwash. That's not true. God will use anybody that is willing to be used by God. Right? That, that's God. That, that's, that's who God is. And I love David's response to this in verse 37. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, He will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Did you hear what he said? The Lord, the Lord who delivered me, He will deliver me. This fight is not my fight. 
King, let me tell you something. I'm 15 years old, but I know a little bit more than you do. This battle's not my battle. This is the Lord's battle. I may not feel qualified. You may say I'm not qualified, but let me tell you what's qualified me. I have fought the lion. I have fought the bear and the tiger. Oh, my. His confidence changed the mind of his opposition. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. I know you can't do it, but with what you're saying, God can do it through you. David began to be the solution of the problem on the field. Let me tell you something. In this church, I'm not talking about problematic things within the church, but we have problems in this community that God has called us to have a solution to. There's a drug epidemic that we have to go out and we have to help people and we have to love on them. There's, there's young children that their mind is just all out of whack and they think all these crazy things. They need guidance. How are they going to get it if we don't do it? David was willing to get in the game. The ushers are going to come forward and pass some things out. How many of you right now, you're willing to get in the game? Come on. Just shout if you're willing to get in the game, right? The ushers are coming right now. Y'all go ahead and come down and, and start passing this stuff out. While they're passing this stuff out, here's what I want to say. I want to make a few little statements. Nobody is called to do everything, but everyone is called to do something. This is where the rubber meets the road. Because as a church... We do this every August. And I want to tell you something. Because of the rapid growth of our church, we're, we're continually trying to keep up. Why? Because the more people you have, the more people you need to take care of the people that God has blessed you with. And what we try to do is establish teams in our church. We try to get people out of the stands. Why? Because we don't want our nets to break when God sends us fish. We want to strengthen the nets. That's what we're doing today. So here's what I want to say. They're, they're going to be passing. The, come on down. You guys, come on, go ahead. Come on down. Start passing them out. If not, we're going to miss lunch, man. <laughs> Most people are fine with being spectators. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Most people are okay with just being spectators. Oh, man, I, I'm cool. I'm cool. I don't need to get involved. I mean, what's the purpose of those people on the parking lot? What's the purpose of those people on the doors and in the lobbies and at the kids' check-in center and wiping booties? And what's, what's the purpose in all this? What's the purpose? I'll tell you the purpose. Jesus. Lost people. Lost people that need to be saved people. Saved people that need to be freed people. Freed people who need to become restored people. Restored people who need to become fulfilled. It's the vision of our church. Most people are okay with just being spectators. Not at this church. I'm going to make you feel so uncomfortable if you're a spectator. I'm serious. I hope you feel uncomfortable when you get the card in your hand. Because, <laughs> you know, spectators are just the ones that come in and they're shouting. Y'all ever seen those people at a game? We call ourselves fans when it comes to the game. We're fans. Hey, man, I'm a fan. Y'all know who, what team. I won't even mention what team I like, but I'll just mention a situation. Halftime national championship, I'm yelling at the team. 
thinking that they're going to hear me. What are y'all doing? It's 13 to nothing. Are you kidding me? I'm just a spectator. Nobody's listening to me. I don't have a voice in those people's lives. I'm just a spectator. Most sports is just a spectator sport. You're just watching. When God's saying, hey, this sport that I've called you to is not a spectator sport. It's a participator sport. I want you participating. I don't want you spectating. I want you involved. I want you to do something. I've called you to greatness. I've called you to do things. See, a lot of us, we want a voice. Some people have asked me, they said, you know what, at this church, we don't vote. We don't do anything like that. We don't, you know, all that kind of stuff. You got to vote to see what color the carpet's going to be and what color the tent's going to be. And we got a committee for this. We, we don't do all that stuff. So some people will kick back and go, well, how do you have a say in this church? I'll tell you how you have a say in this church. You get on a team. That's how you have a say. We call them owners. A lot of people have members. We call our members owners. How do I become an owner in this ministry? Get on a team or get in a group. One of the two. I promise you, our team leaders and the team underneath them, our dream team people, which are number one in our eyes, they are number, they make it happen each and every week. Right? Yeah, three of you clapped your hand. You should be clapping right now. Those people are making it happen. Those people are sacrificing their life. Those people have exited the stands and got in the game. Those people God are using. God wants you to be one of those people. He never called us to be consumers. Hey, what, what would this church do for me? And I'm just talking about the church in general, not just your attitude toward this specific church. What would this church do for me? I want that church to do something. God never called you to just come in and consume all of this stuff and not contribute anything. You say, well, how can I contribute? Through your gifting, through your talent, through the call of God that's on your life. We need parking lot people. I, I just so happened during worship, I had used bathroom. Now that's about as, as blunt as it gets in church right there, right? So I had to go to the bathroom real quick because I didn't want to stand up here and have to go like, hey, yeah, man, Jesus is trying to save your soul today, you know? So I just slipped out during the first song and I get out into the lobby to go to the restroom and I meet our parkers. Our parkers are coming off of the parking lot probably around the second song. They're coming out and I look at them and I go, what, what's wrong with your shirt? Because one, actually two guys' shirt is soaking wet. It's wet. And he's like, Oh man, it's hot out there today, but hey, we, we've got the park, the parking lot is full, Pastor. We had to open up the extra parking lot, and they're parking over in the extra parking lot. Can you believe that? And I'm going, wow. Wow. I say that to say it like this. I'm glad he didn't say, man, it's hot, and I'm sick and tired of having to be on that parking lot, and it's just so hot, I'm having to sweat, and y'all can get somebody else to do that. We don't have that type of people on our teams. Why? Because they know the purpose of the parking lot. We need people on our parking lot. More people. We need pe people in our lobbies. We need people pouring into our children. We need people, some people are like, oh, well, you got a babysitting service. In the, in the one-year-old or the zero, we call them zeros, right? And it's birth to 12 months. Before they go, we got a zero class and a one class, a two class, a three class, a four and a five class, and then first through fifth grade. And, and they'll say, oh, well, y'all probably just babysit in the zero class. No, we don't just babysit. We love on those babies. We pray over those babies. We ask God to bless those babies. We have a baby dedication once a month. We're doing that every week with these babies. 
Why? Because we love our kids. We need more people to love on our children. You don't know what these children are going through. Heck, look at the neighbor beside you. You know, you know how rough they are. Just think what their kids are going through. You understand? We need you. That was a joke to half of you. The other half now. But is there not a cause? We need people serving in our student department. My goodness gracious. We're probably running 80 to 90 teenagers uh, in our student ministry. I would dare say, our student pastor is probably in here, I can't see him, but I would dare to say that those people, are, are pro half of those people don't even attend our church. Is that right? There you are. You're right on the front row. Half of those people don't even attend our church. You don't know their home life. You don't know their family life. You don't know what's going on. You don't know what's in their brain. You don't know if they're having sex before marriage. You don't know if they're cussing, got foul mouths. You don't know. We need godly people to help take care of these students, take care of these kids, to love on hurting people. You don't know why I'm telling you all this? Because there's hurting people that show up on our parking lot every week. You know how I know that? Because I hurt sometimes, and I know you hurt sometimes. It's not that we all have it together. We need one another. How do you make this whole thing happen? You exit to stands. How, how, do we, how do we see what God wants us to do? How do we see that happen? We're growing by about 450. The last uh, uh, two years, we're on track again this year. But we're growing by about 450 to 500 people a year. That's crazy. It takes people. People who have sacrificed their life. And when I say sacrifice their life, I'm talking about getting here at 8.30 and serving through a service. And then when that service is done, you come in here at 10.45 and you sit through a service. And you worship God after you serve. We call it serve one, set one. We have multiple services so people can still have an opportunity to get their worship on. Hallelujah. To get the prayer on. To hear the word of God. Let me ask you a question. What would it look like if we all exited the stands and got in the game? I'm serious. Church, let's have a moment together. We don't even know the potential that we have right here in this church for this city I look out I can remember when we would run two services in a little storefront and some of the services would just be almost empty but we had a vision and you know what took that vision to a whole nother level it wasn't the pastor trying to get up here and fire you up it was people that were willing to exit the stands pull that next graphic up just real quick this is just a little scoreboard. Some of you see these numbers and go, wow. We have 361 positions right now that are already filled. About 292 people make up those 361 positions. About 292 people. That is teenagers and adults. Because we feel like it don't matter how young you are or how old you are, you can get in the game. You understand? Right now, as I am speaking, our online campus director is 13 years old. 
She is up in that booth right now. Wave at me real quick. There she is. There she is. She's up in that booth. And she is in a microphone. Go to camera two. Back to camera one. Do this. Don't do this. Pull up the lower thirds. She is directing that campus right now. 13 years old. We need help in that area. Because we're fixing to take our online format to a whole nother level. That's some of the stuff that you may not even see on the back of this card. Start looking at this card right now. The cool thing about that ministry, because this is where our online church and all the people are up here. And, and the cool thing about that is sitting next to her, being led by her, is a 72-year-old man. Isn't that amazing? From 13 to 72. God's no respecter of person. God don't care about your past. I don't care about your past. Your past is your past. You can't change that. I care about your future. So today, if you're already part of that 361 of the 292 that fill up that 361, you don't have to do anything with this card. Don't do anything. You're already in the game. Actually, here's what I want you to do. I want you to leave your card in the seat when you leave so the next person in the next service that comes and sets down can have your card. But maybe you're here and you don't serve in the local church. I want to tell you something. I've heard a few people over the years. It's just been a few. I laugh. Few people, oh, they're just trying to get people to serve and do their job. No, we're trying to get people to serve to do their job. Because all of us are called to do something. We can't do everything, but all of us are called to do something. So if you're not serving anywhere, I want you to prayerfully consider to fill out this card. And a team member will call you within 48 hours. I promise you that. I give you my word. If they don't, you come to me next week and you tell me that somebody didn't call you. I promise you, you won't do that. Within 48 hours, a team member will call you. Now give us the right number. I know how some of you are. I'm going to write my name because I don't want nobody looking at me. And I'm going to put a fake number down. And they're going to call somebody and say, hey, Tim, what are you doing? And it ain't Tim. <laughs> don't do that. Get in the game. How are we going to make this community better? How are we going to do what God has called us to do as a church? How are we going to keep up? 179 that's individual positions that's not people serving in multiple positions 179 that's the empty blanks on our flow charts right now that we need just to sustain the growth that we have here's what I hope next week we'll have a scoreboard hung and we're going to have 179 to nothing and then we're going to update that scoreboard in the service and we're going to show everybody how many people signed up this week. And by the end of this month, I believe that we're going to have more than 179. And we're going to have zero where 179 used to be. Can you all agree with me? Can you believe with me for that? I want you to pray over this card. During the offering here in a moment, you're going to have an opportunity to drop this card in the offering bucket. If you say, hey, I need to pray about it, it's okay, I get it. Maybe you're a, a, a person, maybe you're a late adopter. Maybe you need to sign up next week or maybe the week after, but I encourage you, be a David. David's seen a need, and he went back to it. Let me, let me just share this. I know I'm taking a little bit more time, but I believe this is the detailed stuff you guys don't hear. 
Here's what's needed right now. We need 84, out of the 179, we need 84 more volunteers in our kids' department. So if you have a heart for kids, we need you to sign up for our kids' ministry because our kids' ministry, along with our church, is exploding. We'll have close to 300 kids today. Just kids. That's one of our team leaders, Enid. I can hear her voice. I know who she is, right? Worship department. We're, we're needing more people around our prayer, uh, our, our prayer teams. We need more people. If you've got a gifting and a guitar, if you play guitar, drums, whatever, please sign up. Be part of the team. We need people for that department. Our connections department, parkers, ushers, greeters, lobbies, all of this stuff, VIP tents, 54 people, our students' ministry. To just sustain what we're doing right now, we need 26 more people signed up for that ministry. How many of you are willing to get in the game? You got to get in the game, baby. Come on. You got to do it. Let me pray with you today. God, I pray that you touch each and every person's life or their heart. God, I hope that no one in this room feels pressure. No one feels pressure to sign up. If they're, if they're doing that, then, then, then God, I just pray that they don't sign up. But if they're feeling a conviction... If they're feeling a call on their life, I pray, Jesus, that you will touch their heart and they'll circle one of those five areas. That they'll circle one of those areas and put their name down and we'll contact them, God. And if you give them to us, we're going to take care of them. We're going to pastor them. We're going to shepherd them. We're going to make sure that they have a first serve and that first serve is a great experience. So God, convict our hearts today. Also, there may be people in the room you say, hey, buddy, you're talking about getting in the game. I haven't gotten the game of life yet. I'm living a lost and dying life. I need new life. I love what you're saying, but I think I need to take the first step. And that first step is confessing my sins over to God, giving everything over to God, and allowing Him to be the Lord of my life. If that's you today, would you just slip up your hand? You say, yes, I need God in my life. Yes, right there. Maybe you need to repent of some things. Yes, thank you, right over there, right there. Yes, over there. You need to repent of some things. Yes, I see your hand right back there. Yes. There's, there's hands just kind of going up all across the congregation today. Say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, today I am ready to get in the game. I confess my sins and ask you to become the Lord of my life. Mold me, make me, use me from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, give God a big old hand clap. Come on, you can do better than that.